tomorrow is the, the 12th of, of April, and England at least is going to take another step along the roadmap that will hopefully lead us out of this pandemic and set us back on the road to a degree of normality. I have to confess that as time has gone by, I found it harder to keep track of all the various rules and regulations that we're supposed to stick to. In the very first few days of the first lockdown, it wasn't too difficult because for most people, the message was clear, we were to stay at home. In more recent times with the regulations changing and evolving, particularly every five weeks, I've had to keep checking what we can and what we're not supposed to do. I'm sure I'm not the only one. I think throughout the pandemic, the government has begun to recognise the difficulty people have experienced with remembering everything. And so they've tried to reduce the rules and the regulations down to a simple slogan that is easier to remember. So the first of those slogans was stay home, protect the NHS and save lives. We then moved on to stay alert, control the virus, save lives. We then went on to a shorter one, hands, face, space. They introduced the rule of six. And I believe the current slogan is hands, face, space, and fresh air. All these were introduced to try and keep us individually safe and safe as a society. And in the words that Chris read to us earlier, we find a set of regulations that God laid out, if you like, to help his people stay safe individually and as a community. If we think back to creation and the creation story that we find in Genesis chapters one and two, God pronounces three blessings. The first is on all living creatures and all birds. The second is on mankind. And the third is actually on the seventh day. Now those first two blessings on all living creatures, the birds and on mankind, were blessings to be fruitful and to multiply. But for the third blessing, he was blessing a day and he made it holy. But what's a day? It's not, a, it's not an object. It's a period of time. So God decreed a period of time to be holy. Holy means to be dedicated or consecrated to God. In the New Testament, the Hebrew word for holy is hagios. And it means to be set apart, to be sacred, 
and worthy of veneration. So in our reading from Exodus, where God gives the Ten Commandments to the Israeli people, the first three commandments are in relation to God himself. They were to have no other gods, not to make a likeness of anything that they worshipped, and not to take God's name in vain. Commandments five through 10 are about other people, honoring your father and mother, not committing murder or adultery, not stealing or bearing false witness, not coveting anything that belongs to somebody else. It's the fourth commandment that separates the first three from the final six. And this commandment relates to the individual person. It's about how he or she should behave towards themselves. It's no less or more important than the other commandments, but the order in which it comes in the list may be significant. And scattered through the Old Testament, there are instances of the prophets reminding the people to respect and keep this fourth commandment. In Exodus chapter 16, we read of God's provision of manna. And he explains to Moses that on the first five days of the week, the people are only to, to actually collect one day's worth of food. But as it says here in verse five, on the sixth day, they're to collect twice as much. When they prepare what they bring in, it, it is to be twice as much as they gather daily. And then a few verses later from verse 22, we read on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread. And that caused a bit of a, a problem, I think, for the leaders, because the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses that what they'd done. And Moses said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. In chapter 17 of Jeremiah, the prophet records God saying to him to again remind the people to keep the Sabbath day holy. And in this particular instance, there was a serious consequence for the people if they didn't do so. So respecting and honoring the Sabbath was fundamental to the people's way of life. And even in the New Testament, if we turn to Luke 23, we're told that after Jesus' body was laid in the tomb, and after the, God, the women had seen where his body was laid, and how his body was laid out, they then returned home, ready to prepare the spices and the ointments. But they didn't go back to the tomb on the next day, because that was the Sabbath. And so they waited and went back on the following day. So they too observed the Sabbath. 
And if you search the internet, you will find many videos explaining what the Sabbath still means today to the Jews, including Messianic Jews, who are the Jews that believe in Jesus. You know, in Western Christianity, it seems there are two opinions about whether we should still keep the Sabbath, still keep the commandment. The first view is that it belongs to the Old Testament. It is part of the Old Testament law. And post Easter, the first Easter, we are free and no longer under the law. We've been set free from the law. But if you take this stance, perhaps we should then ask about the other nine commandments. Are we free to ignore those two? Can we murder? Can we steal? I suspect the answer is no. So the alternative view is that we should still observe the Sabbath. And maybe this also stems from something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter five. In verse 17, we find him saying this, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. I came across one particular commentator who made this observation about the fourth commandment. He said, God's command for us to rest one day out of every seven is probably the most misunderstood and the least observed of the Ten Commandments. The other nine all have seemingly great moral or spiritual rationale behind them. Whilst the command for rest with its lack of moral imperative is often neglected. In this age of ever increasing demands on our time and ever increasing methods of communication, work has often become a seven day a week activity. Rest is seemingly harder to come by and people seem busier than ever. And it is into the busyness of our lives that God commands us to rest. As humans bearing the image of their creator, we too are commanded to follow his pattern of work and rest. The correct balance of work and rest is a creation ordinance and something that humanity is designed to do. The benefits of rest are of course well established with studies indicating that shorter working hours increase productivity and reduce the likelihood of mental health issues and heart problems. Sabbath rest means taking a day away from the regular routines of work in order for us to recharge 
and to recreate. It is not a burden placed upon us, but a gift given to us by a loving God who knows that rest is essential for the well-being of his creation. If you read the text of the commandment carefully, I think you will see there are two aspects to the keeping of the Sabbath. For it says, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And that says to me that the first reason for observing it is that it is a day that belongs to him. It's a day that he has blessed and called holy. And it is set apart for observance as part of our worship of him. But it is also for our benefit because God has instigated a rhythm to life. In the Genesis story, God worked for six days and rested on the seventh. And in doing so, he built a rhythm into the fabric of creation. There's an American minister called Wayne Muller who also makes this observation about modern life. In the relentless busyness of modern life, we have lost the rhythm between work and rest. All life requires a rhythm of rest. There is a rhythm in our waking activity and the body's need for sleep. There is a rhythm in the way that day dissolves into night and night into morning. There is a rhythm as the active growth of spring and summer is quieted by the necessary dormancy of fall and winter. There is a tidal rhythm, a deep eternal conversation between the land and the great sea. In our bodies, a heart perceptibly rests after each life-giving beat. The lungs rest between the exhale and the inhale. We have lost this essential rhythm. You see, our culture invariably supposes that action and accomplishment are better than rest. That doing something, anything, is better than doing nothing. Because of our desire to succeed, we do not rest. And because we do not rest, we lose our way. We miss the comfort point, the compass points that would show us where to go. We bypass the nourishment that would give us succor. We miss the quiet that would give us wisdom. We miss the joy and love born of effortless delight. Poisoned by this hypnotic belief that good things come only through unceasing determination and tireless effort, we can never truly rest. 
and for want of rest, our lives are in danger. You know, William Wilberforce, who led the fight to abolish slavery, saw many other politicians get burned out and even saw three of his colleagues take their own lives. William attributed this in large part to them not taking one day a week off. And so he himself determined from early on in his career to uphold the fourth commandment. Sundays became a family day together. When all talk of politics and campaigning was put to one side in favor of church, rest and quality time. On one occasion at the end of a week of furious work, he wrote in his journal, blessed be God for the day of rest and religious occupations, wherein earthly things assume their true size and ambition is stunted. Mark Williams makes this observation. For William Wilberforce, Sabbath was a kind of check and balance system to help him keep his career in perspective. He was saying that without withdrawing every seven days, I would get all out of balance. I would begin to think only, the only thing that mattered was winning political races, even if I was motivated with right reasons. Wilberforce recognized the power of the Sabbath to put his life into proper perspective. I want to bring you a couple more quotes, but these are from a lady called Corrie Ten Boom, who I'm sure most of us have heard of. In a few days time, it will be April the 15th, and that was the date of her birth in 1892. And unusually, she died on the same date, April the 15th, in 1983, and she was aged 91. And the Jews have a custom, and they say that if you are born and you pass away on the same day, you must be a very special person. It is a unique sign that you are special, and surely she was. And there are many wise sayings of her that are recorded, but I'd like to just share two of them with you this morning. And the first is, if the devil cannot make us bad, he'll make us busy. Because he knows if we are busy, we will find less time for God. And the second quote is this, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. The seventh day is both a command and a gift. And when questioned by the Pharisees why his disciples were picking heads of grain on the Sabbath, which was against their law, Jesus replied with this statement that the Sabbath 
was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So what does this mean for us today? What does this mean for us in practice? My understanding of the Sabbath is not the same as a day off. A day off is a day for catching up on all the things that still are outstanding on your to-do list. That's not what the Sabbath is about. For most of us, our Sabbath is likely to be our Sunday, although not for those who obviously have to work on a Sunday. And for some, every day may contain or require an element of work. So a complete day is probably out of the question. In which case, Sabbath may have to be a shorter period, maybe a half day or split over two half days, an afternoon and a morning. If at all possible, we need to establish a regular rhythm of Sabbath. So it happens every seven days, if you like, at a regular interval during the week. What is important is that we carve out a set period of time. Marva Dawn makes this observation that intimacy with God cannot be rushed. We cannot enjoy the presence of God if we're always looking at our watches. If you look at the Hebrew word for the Sabbath, it is Shabbat. And it means to stop, to cease, to rest. And it's good for those of us who want to honor the Sabbath, that we try and follow a pattern for the day, a pattern that works for us, and it may not be the same for all of us. Remember, there are two aspects. Observing a Sabbath honors God, but it also benefits us. So a simple framework might consist of these four steps. Firstly, just stop. If you can just stop, put aside anything that you would classify as work, whether it's paid or unpaid. Try not to even think about work. And I, I must say from my own experience over the last six months or so, I've been trying to sort of do the Sabbath for, for several months now. It is so um, releasing, if you like, if you determine I'm not gonna do any work on, on the next day. It's very freeing. The next step is, is rest. It may be physical rest. It may be mental rest, emotional rest, or spiritual rest. If you have a physical job, it may need, you might need to, to physically rest. You might need to emotionally rest. But it's important that we do rest. How do we do this? Well, we, do, we find something that delights us. We find a group of activities that are life-giving to our soul, that connect us with God. And again, it can be different for us, each of us. It might be that we go for a walk and we take delight in nature. I like gardening and I just find gardening. I just enjoy 
just being out in the garden and admiring the beauty of the plants and the flowers and listening to the birds. But, uh, but for others, that might be a chore, so that's work. So don't do that. But there are many different things. We can read a novel. We can share a meal with friends and family. Something that delights us and helps us to rest emotionally and spiritually. And then finally, allow your day, allow what you do in the day to lead us into, to lead you into a time of worship, to express your thankfulness and praise to God for his goodness. As I say, I've been trying to establish the practice of Sabbath keeping for several months now, and it does take time. It's not easy to extract yourself from the distractions of the day. The bottom line is that you're trying to actually establish a regular period of time. You can step away from the usual day-to-day -day activities and just be still, just to rest in God's presence. It may, like the Israelites, take some prior preparation. Remember, we looked earlier about the need, they needed to collect two days worth of food before the Sabbath day. And I, one of the reasons I go shopping on a Friday is so that I don't need to go shopping on a Saturday. It will be different for all of us. Let me close and bring things together with these words from the message and from Isaiah chapter 58. Here the prophet says, if you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, and I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor, Jacob. Yes, God says so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you know best for your creation. You know that we cannot keep up an endless pursuit of work that you have ordained for our benefit, a period of rest. You know what constant activity does to our bodies and to our minds, to our emotions, and to our spirit. And you have set in place a pattern for your people to follow. Father, we ask that in the coming days and weeks and maybe months, your Holy Spirit will lead us to that place where we are able to honor your day, your Sabbath, and find in honoring it true benefits as we allow your Holy Spirit to refresh us and to lift our spirits and lead us to that point of worship. So Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for his companionship. And we look forward 
as he does more in our lives and makes us more like Jesus day by day. Amen.